Welcome back, guys, to another episode of the Solvable Mysteries podcast. My name is Juras. As every week, I'm joined by my co-host, Glenn Highcove. We're back after one week's hiatus. Um, we had some technical difficulties um, that we couldn't really resolve. Therefore, we had to skip last week. It's really unfortunate. We had actually started recording last week. We did 80% of this show and everything just kind of crashed. We couldn't get uh, the file that we already recorded. And then we were really strapped for time. Different things were happening. I hope you guys can forgive us. But this week, we're definitely back. Um, really excited to talk about the same case that we intended to talk about last week. And, you know, I'm going to hand it over to Glenn Highcove. How are you feeling, man? Hey, doing okay. I mean, uh, definitely excited to, to uh, you know, return to this topic, take a, take another uh, swing in it. Uh, like, yeah, like you said, it, it's, it, we, we had... We had gotten eighty percent through, and uh, you know it was a little heartbreaking for us to to lose it. But on the other hand, um, I think us taking a second try at it is actually going to improve it because I I know I wish I'd done a little better um, when we did it the last time. So I'm I'm really looking forward to to going over the case. I think it's going to be exciting. Yeah, definitely. And today we're going to be talking about the Susan Swedell case. Um, so. I want to really quickly build a profile of Susan Swedell, the missing woman who has been missing since January of 1988. So we're going a little bit back for this case. Um, Susan, at the time of her disappearance, she was 19 years of age. She was five foot four, and she weighed around 100 pounds. She had sandy brown hair and hazel eyes also had extensive dental work and both of her ears were pierced. Her parents were divorced, so at the time of her disappearance, Susan was living with her mother Kathy Swedell alongside with her younger sister Christine Swedell. I'm sorry, I think Christine was 16 while Susan was 19. Um, Susan also worked part-time at a not necessarily local Kmart, she worked at a Kmart in a nearby town. Um, now, Susan actually lived in the little town called Lake Elmo, but she did work in a town called Oak Park Heights. By the way, this is all happening in Minnesota. And basically, at the time when she, was, she disappeared, she had two jobs, not one. So one of them was at that local Kmart that I've mentioned earlier the other one was in the same mall because you know the kmart was located in a bigger mall so in that mall there were two shops that she worked at one was kmart the other was a store called body and soul i'm not really familiar with that one um both of these stores were located at saint croix mall in oak park heights now she was described by her friends and family as fun to be around she also had enrolled at the University of Wisconsin at River Falls to study psychology, but she had been unhappy there, and she actually decided to drop out because she wasn't ready to live away from her mother and sister, so then she moved back into her mom's house, and she started having those two jobs, was just trying to figure out what's next for her. Now, she was a very active 
Christ Lutheran and she attended like the uh, choir I'm not choir. Sure. yeah I'm yep. sorry the choir um, also she was uh, nervous about driving in storms and I know this is a very peculiar little detail about her per personal profile but it's gonna play a big role here as well as being extremely nearsighted uh, the quote that I've heard is that she's almost blind without her glasses and this is going to be very important as well because she will be um, leaving those glasses at a time when she probably shouldn't. So I really want to jump into the timeline but before I do I want to throw it back to you man. Regarding the profile of Suzanne Swedel, have I left something out? Do you have something to add upon that? No, that that sounds like a good summary of of, of what you know. I think of of what what her life was like at that point. Yeah. Um. Okay. So everything started on January nineteenth, nineteen eighty eight. Uh, Suzanne Swedel was in a hurry to leave work when her shift at the local Kmart was over. Uh, on the evening of January 19th, 1988, Susan had made plans to see her ex-boyfriend on the night. Uh, however, there was a blizzard happening and therefore the boyfriend had called and cancelled due to the weather. Um, so this boyfriend that I'm talking about, I don't think we even have the name. We only heard, like on my research, I only heard him being referred to as the ex-boyfriend who was on and off type of a boyfriend. I think they were kind of splitting up and getting back together on a regular basis. I think since Susan was 19, I would imagine the ex-boyfriend being of similar age, which is, wouldn't you agree, man, kind of a regular thing for teenagers to be like on and off a lot, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's, I mean, especially at that age, if it's one of your first relationships, um, like any little thing can kind of <laughs> test your patience, right? And then make, make everybody kind of uh, take their ball and go home, so to speak. That's, yeah, we couldn't have uh, uh, said it any better. Now, Susan had called her mom from work while she was still working on January 19th, and she called at 4 p.m. in the evening, or I should say in the afternoon, and she told her mother, Kathy, that she would go straight after home, uh, after work, home, um, but she won't, but we will get into it. Now, she finishes work five hours after this call so she finishes work at 9 p.m and at that point the blizzard had fully moved into the area and for everyone who's watching this on the youtube channel just really want to quickly set the stage where everything is located on the map so as i've said this is the lake elmo area right here this is the little town um or maybe a neighborhood that suzanne was living at with her family and then this is Oak Park Heights, a more, I would say, industrial uh, city, it seems like. And this is the St. Croix Mall, where both of uh, Susan's employment, uh, employments were located at. So she leaves um, her work at St. Croix Mall at 9 p.m. in the evening. And at that point, like a blizzard had already moved in, because let's remember, this is Minnesota, and it's January. So it's definitely snowy. It's definitely pretty chilly and cold. Um, so now she 
at this point, from what we know, she had planned to spend the night making popcorn and watching movies with her mother and her younger sister. However, as she was leaving, or I would say getting ready to leave the Kmart, she did something very peculiar that her supervisor and co-workers uh, thought that was a little bit odd and unusual. She actually changed out of the red pantsuit she had been wearing into a sweater and a short mini skirt. Now this pantsuit, this red pantsuit will play a big role. I think it's going to be a very crucial detail in this case. I'm actually pretty happy that we're redoing this case because now I think I can frame it up a little better and I want to ask you a question man. So um, uh, okay so for, for the audience who are not aware of this case let's just build a scene right here. Susan is in her job like she's working in a red Pantsuit. Now, the pantsuit is not something that Kmart required you to wear. It was something Susan was wearing to work, um, you know, just because I, she just wanted to wear that. Now, the question that I have for you, man, is... I think, and this is like a gray area in this case, and this red pantsuit is gonna be a really crucial detail. I think the most crucial in this case, to be honest. And now, when she leaves work, um, do you know if she takes the red pantsuit with her or does she leave it like in maybe the I don't know uh, dressing room in Kmart for the employees like do you know that you know that's a good question I didn't even think about that but it would make sense that you would have some kind of like you said dressing room or locker room but I, I've never worked for one of those big retailers like that just didn't didn't have the opportunity. But I know that that like I, I guess at similar places, I've seen you know sort of back offices and employee areas and things like that. I'm not sure it would make sense. Well, here's the thing. I feel like she wouldn't if she had if she had worked in it that day because wouldn't you want to wash it if you were working even if you're just working part time in it. I feel like, I don't know, if, if she's anything like, like my wife is, and, you know, like, like us guys, sometimes we don't mind being kind of stinky and we're not always good about details, but I feel like a lot of women are pretty sensitive to, like, smelling bad and clothing smelling bad. Not always. I mean, I've seen women coworkers <laughs> do the complete opposite, but that was, you know, kind of not, that was the rare exception. Yeah. Uh, so what you're saying is that you think that she did take the pantsuit with her when she left Kmart, right? Like that's where you... Yeah, that was the impression I got from the, the research was that she had changed and I never heard anything about her leaving anything behind. Like I always assumed that, yeah, yeah she'd taken it with her. Yeah, uh, that's the assumption I had as well. Um, so she... Susan made her way through the snowy parking lot and she actually brushed the snow off of her 1975 Oldmobile Cutlass. That is the vehicle that she was driving. Now, she pulled out of the parking lot and she headed down Stillwater Boulevard in the direction of Lake Elmo. So really quickly on the map, uh, this is the uh, St. Croix Mall that she was working at. She leaves. She drives, I would assume, in this direction. And now this is still uh, Stillwater Boulevard, this road right here, um, that it will lead to her first stop. Now, the first stop will not be Lake Elmo. The first stop will be a gas station right next to Lake Elmo. And some really strange things will happen there. Um, so 
moving further into the timeline now after driving for a few miles on Stillwater Boulevard she noticed that her um, cutlass Oldsmobile Cutlass was overheating and smoke was actually blowing out from under its hood and then she pulled into the gas station which was one mile away from her home in Lake Elmo. Now on the map, I don't really have the location of her house, but I do have the location of the exact gas station that she pulled in. And my first question for you, man, is why did she pull into the gas station? Like, um, given the information that you and I already know about what's going to happen next in this case, do you think that the reason for her stopping at this gas station uh, one mile away from her home was the fact that it was overheating or was it for some different reason and why i say this is because a it's only one mile away from her home and then b later on when her car uh now after she disappears and all of that her car was actually at her mom's house and then the mom actually took it for a spin. So I'm thinking, um, and you know, took it for a spin, it started breaking down eventually, et cetera, et cetera. But initially it wasn't breaking down. So um, I don't know, dude, I kind of found it suspicious. Like what, what do you think is the reason for pulling into this gas station in your opinion? Well, you know, I'll, I'm going to err on the side of, well, I don't know if it's an error, but I'm going to go to the side of like, there's some stuff that happens with your car and, and by the way, it's, it's unfortunately it's a little bit like, like people's knowledge about this is not so great. So there's some things I think specifically like if your oil pump goes out, um, that's something you need to pull over for like literally right away, right away, turn off your engine, don't restart it until, until you can kind of find out, you know, what's going on and probably get it towed because uh, are you familiar with this? That, you know, if your oil, if your oil pump goes out, you can actually like ruin your entire engine. Oh yeah. So you can, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And that's, and what's, what's crazy is a lot of times people mistake the other lights for that. So like there's the check engine light and there's like a temperature light. And I mean, look, I mean, I, I know a thing or two about cars. I'm for sure not an expert, but I know, you know, enough about that. And, um, you know, the other stuff, of course, is not nearly so serious, right? Like check engine lights, like usually nothing. Um, it's like a time thing and there's, you know, the, the, the radiator thing. I mean, that's important. You don't want your car to, to overheat. I mean, I've, I've had cars shut down on me because they overheated because of kind of similar issues, not exactly what's going on here. Um, so I do wonder if just her lack of knowledge, because, Maybe she wasn't a car expert. They didn't have YouTube channels like Scotty Kilmer's channel to tell you how things worked. Um, she may have sort of erred on the side of caution. And then after she talked to maybe either one of the next two people she's going to talk to next, maybe they're like, well, you know, good, good news. You're not, your car is probably not ruined. You just need to find out what's going on with this one issue. I'll just add as a side note, um, you know, like the opposite happened for my wife with our car. We had a, a, a Toyota Camry and that light went off. And unfortunately, my wife couldn't get over in time. And um, we basically had to have the engine rebuilt because like crap had already like deteriorated and gone through the engine. The engine didn't seize up, you know, like a, like a, yeah. a melted piece of metal. Mm. But it was enough that like, you know, unfortunately, it was the wrong air light and it wasn't her fault. 
um, it was literally like she couldn't stop in the middle of the road. She had to get into a parking lot, and that was enough to like pollute the rest of the engine. So, I mean, yeah. the the one thing I want to add to this is that uh, Suzanne did notice that her that there was actually smoke coming out of under its hood. Now that's a big. Oh yeah. That's now that's a big visual indicator that. Um, now I'm not really uh, that well versed in how cars work and, and all of that. So if I see smoke coming out of the hood, like I'm also pulling out uh, pulling up. Um, so uh, maybe it wasn't that suspicious at all, to be honest. Now, Susan pulls into this parking lot of the gas station, and now almost immediately after that, another park uh, pulls right next to her Oldsmobile and stops alongside of her. Now, Susan spoke to the man for a few minutes, then got out of her car and went inside the gas station. So what's happening here, I would assume the man who was driving the car that parked parked right next to Suzanne's car that had just been overheating, you know, just a few moments ago. Now, this man probably steps out of his vehicle, uh, moves uh, in closer to Suzanne. Now, Suzanne is still in her Oldsmobile, and he kind of says something to her. Now, afterwards, um, Suzanne uh, goes inside of the gas station. And now, when she's inside of the gas station, I'm not really certain if she's with this uh, strange man that had just pulled up uh, alongside of her. Uh, we don't really have that information from the research that at least I've seen. But now, she does speak to the attendant of the gas station that will be questioned the following day regarding the disappearance of Susan. And now, um, Susan asks this gas station attendant if it would be okay if she left her car in the parking lot overnight now the attendant said yep you can definitely leave it here but you have to move it a little bit to the side so she actually goes out of the gas station um and now the you know the attendant at that point is like looking through the mirror i would assume or like through the window i'm sorry and she, then the attendant saw Susan move her car to the side a little bit, but then she does something very critical. She gets into the car of the unidentified man, and then the car at that point, uh, you know, that was driven by the unidentified man. Um, now, in the car, there's the man and there's Susan, and they both leave the gas station and they head west on Highway 5, which was not, I would assume, in the direction of Susan's home in Lake Elmo. Now, Susan at that point goes MIA and when she doesn't arrive home by 11 p.m. because let's remember she only she only worked maybe like what a good uh, six five miles away from her home so it shouldn't take her two hours to get back home because she left at 9 p.m. so at 11 p.m. she's still not home and you know her little sister and her mother they're worried and now Kathy her mother calls the cops and um, she asks the police when she calls 911 whether or not they could go out and look for her vehicle because initially the 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 biggest worry was given the fact a massive blizzard is outside um that maybe she like drove into a ditch or you know something really terrible might have happened to her um now it didn't take long for the deputy 
uh, of the police station to locate Susan's car in the K station. Um, I think it's Circle K. I don't know if they had Circle Ks back in the day or whatever. Um, now, uh, at that point, when the deputy locates the vehicle, it's like very late. I think it's somewhere around midnight. So the, the, the gas station isn't, isn't operational anymore. So the same attendant that will be questioned the following day, he's not working anymore. He went back home. So, you know, the deputy just goes into the gas station and, oh, look, there's Susan's car, but no Susan. Um, now, the, the deputy was immediately very scared because he assumed that Susan tried to walk home from the gas station because she only lived like one mile away. So the deputy actually made several drives, slow drives uh, throughout the route from the gas station to Susan's home in Lake Elmo. He actually drove the entire route several times, but he did not see any sign of Susan. Eventually, the deputy discounted his search, but he did alert other police units in the area to be on the lookout for Susan. At that point, the temperature had already dropped below freezing. Now, the sun came up shortly after that, um, uh, you know, the morning of, let's not get mixed up, January 20th. The morning of January 20th has uh, pretty much, uh, you know, arrived, uh, the sun came up, but there was still no sign of Susan. Deputies went back to the Circle K station and spoke with the same employee who had spoken to Susan on the previous night. Now, the attendant told them that Susan had been having some kind of a car trouble and that she had left the gas station with a man. And now he gave the description of this man, and the description of this man was that he had curly hair, shorter, shoulder length, uh, uh, san, uh, sandy brown hair, shoulder length, um, was unshaven, so long hair, unshaven. He appeared to be tall and well-built and was wearing a leather jacket. And we do have a sketch of this man. So this is the sketch. Um, dude, your take on everything, what's happening so far, what is your take on the sketch and, you know, on the timeline that had, you know, that I've presented so far. That guy's name is Chad. <laughs> it's the same joke I did last time, but I can't, I can't help it. It's, it's, just, a, as funny. It, it's just as funny. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. Uh, thank you for hearing me. Uh, yeah. No. I, I mean. I mean. I'm kind of not joking, though, right? I mean, that's sort of like that. That Chad stereotype would be this guy. I mean, it's interesting the way he's described, especially given, I guess, some of the other clues about her social life that come up because. He's, oh, but by the way, it's worth mentioning that, you know, in the 80s, um, you know, now I, I, I would say there's a kind of an obesity epidemic in the United States, among other countries. Um, and there's a lot of kind of different theories about why that is. Some of it might not be our fault. Some of it might be our fault. But it's interesting that even so back then, a lot more people were like in shape, let's say. But he was described as being in good shape, right, compared to even other people in the 80s so that hmm. sounds like he was like what muscled up right and then and then by the way it's, it's, it's a it's a blizzard right so how does someone look like they're in good shape even under all that let's say in theory heavy clothing right i mean well given the fact that who we will suspect 
he is, and if he yeah. is the person that we suspect that he is, then his profession kind of requires him to be in such a shape, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I mean, uh, so this is something I think is you can answer better than me in terms of how people dress and how they look under, like, clothing and, um, you know, snowy weather. Because mm. I, don't, I don't get as much an opportunity yeah. for that here. Well, I mean, can, can you kind of tell somebody's build very well if they're wearing like a big, you know what I mean? Well, that's the thing. This is happening in the 88, so the clothing was definitely different. But now I will say you have a very good point because you can't really... Well, okay, you can tell if someone is like maybe obese, but you can't really tell a skinny guy from a ripped guy. If they're not like, you know, like really big as a person... If you know what I mean, then you can't re under like really heavy clothing. You can't really tell if they're skinny or if they're like um, really like ripped and shredded. You know what I mean? It's really hard to tell. So maybe that's why um, it's why people like to live in California sometimes. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, to show it <laughs> off. I mean, I mean, the the one thing I was thinking yeah. of is because clothing was tighter, especially in the eighties. You know what I mean? People were, weren't wearing like baggy clothes yet. Um, Oh, really? Like I, I, okay. I was just thinking like 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 James Caan. So James Caan, you know, famous actor, Godfather, a lot of other movies, and he's he's always been in good shape, and not yeah. not not like not like huge, you know, he's not huge like Stallone or or Schwarzenegger like in those the movies in the '80s. But James Caan would have like a very narrow waist and broad shoulders. So yeah. if you look at James Caan, you can tell he can kind of kick some ass that he's in good shape and he's like in athletic shape so i wonder if this guy yeah yeah i'm sorry for interrupting but one, but dude let's remember one very important visual asset here that we have of the guy wearing a leather jacket so not oh, wearing yeah. a massive coat wearing a leather jacket and i know that for our audience maybe this is weird how we're stopping here but no guys this <laughs> this is this is going to be very important because we need to pinpoint who exactly is this man and we have of and we will have at least a few i would say uh suggestions well uh, okay at least one for sure and we really need to uh figure out if this guy meets the description of the other guy but now let's get into back into the timeline really quickly i'm almost done uh, and we can discuss everything that i've just um entailed pretty much so um susan had this now you know as the gas station attendant is being interviewed later on a ske sketch of the man seen driving away with susan on the night of january 19th 1988 was uh, you know composed um but now uh the gas attendant also told the police officers that were interviewing him that susan had spoken with this unidentified man for a few minutes before getting into his car and the gas station attendant assumed that both Suzanne and this unidentified man knew each other. Um, this was not the first time they met. Like, the mannerisms of how they interacted with each other kind of indicated that they were already, like, familiar with uh, one another. So this is why I asked uh, immediately what was the reason for Susan pulling into the gas station because it kind of now seems very strange how this guy just shows up out of nowhere just in time to save the day. It's like, hmm was that really the maybe this was the whole point because let's remember uh suzanne uh you know 
she kind of did something strange back in Kmart. She got like dressed, like really dressed up nicely, had like some sort of a mini skirt or something like that. So um, maybe the maybe this was not such an accident. Maybe the plan was to meet up at the gas station with this guy. Who knows, right? Um, now. The interesting part, uh, when police officers looked into Suzanne's vehicle that was left in the gas station parking lot, now they found something strange. They found Suzanne's purse, her wallet, her identification, and her eyeglasses. Remember the eyeglasses that, you know, she's virtually almost like blind without them so dude without stopping here for too long what do you make of the things that were found in Suzanne's car because at least at least the purse at least well everything honestly purse wallet identification and eyeglasses that you're almost blind without them are all the things that I would have taken if I was Susan why are these items in her car yeah, that, that part was the most, maybe the most mystifying other than, you know, obviously what happens in the rest of this case, you know, the reason why this is our, our case today. What's, okay, so the eyeglass thing, one of the things that was kind of evident was if you look at her, like, yearbook pictures, or all the pictures we have of her, she's never wearing her glasses. So we said, okay, maybe that's, Maybe that's like something that she does because she's self-conscious about how she looks in the glasses. She thinks she looks prettier without them. So if this was like an expected social interaction with somebody she was trying to impress and like per your comment about the leather jacket, by the way, leather jacket doesn't sound really practical in a snowstorm. You're not supposed to get leather wet usually. So maybe two people were dressed for a date or something, some kind of encounter. Let's call it a date just to be charitable. Um, Okay, but then the the purse thing, that drives me a little crazy. So the purse thing, well, I'm sorry, what was the third thing? Wallet, purse? wallet and identification well, as well. Okay, yeah, so everything's in the, you know, like, like mm-hmm. that part drives me crazy because that doesn't make any sense to me why you would leave that in a car. Now, you know, maybe I'm more par- paranoid because I've, like I've had my car broken into before. My sister's had her. Lots of people I know have had their vehicle broken into before. And my wallet, my wallet never leaves my side. Like if I leave my house, like unless I'm in the ocean or in a pool, my wallet is is like attached to me. Yes. So I feel like everyone else feels the same way. And you know, per kind of other conversations we've had, mm-hmm. like you know, wallet wallet in the pocket for a guy. Well, the, the, for many women, their version of that is their purse because they don't like to put things in their pockets sometimes. Um, and, and by the way, the, and the purse, I'm saying, by the way, a lot like, um, um, uh, uh, what's his name from Rogan's show? Um, yeah, it, it, the purse contains a lot of other important things like makeup, like a compact mirror. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm assuming, yeah. you know, everyone I know who has a purse has makeup in it and a, and a compact mirror to look into, you know, like really important a hairbrush, maybe, um, lipstick, etc. Why would you not have those things for a social interaction? Like I, no one I know who carries a purse and uses makeup doesn't, bring their makeup with them even when they're on the date exactly and, and this is an, a really crucial point really crucial point we stamp this out right now is the fact that 
to me it indicates that maybe the drive was supposed to be a short drive not a long drive maybe like uh susan just hop in the car and let's just you know drive for like 10 minutes and then i'll kind of we'll we'll drive back to the gas station then you'll get your stuff and then i'll drive you back home you know is if that makes sense yeah that makes sense i just i don't i don't know i i if it was me if i was susan of course of course yeah, yeah, yeah I, 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 would, I would be like mm-hmm. yeah why why would i leave my purse i don't get it at all and and then being able to see that's the other th- i mean that's i don't know it's, maybe it's a, I get, okay maybe it's a spur of the moment hop in the car let's just drive yeah. and she's like okay okay it's a maybe maybe uh she parked her car kind of way into the distance then she walked over to this guy and she's like maybe she's like all fumbled and flushed flustered or whatever and she's like i oh, forget it and then he's like don't worry about it we'll just like drive a little bit and then we'll return back really soon maybe it was that type of a situation where uh the goal was to return back to the gas station then grab the stuff from her car and then uh get her to the house well at least that's what uh susan may have thought now this unidentified man is prime suspect in this case so um we don't know what he was thinking we uh, let's just let's just go over what happened next i think we had some good conversations and we'll uh, this is not even the craziest point like the craziest point in this case is just coming up like everything that we said so far is absolutely nothing to what will happen shortly um so let's uh dissect the rest of the timeline really quickly uh law enforcement after uh, uh, you know looking into the car and finding all of those items they told um susan's mother kathy that susan had likely ran off with a boyfriend at the and and would probably return home in a few days. So law enforcement were really quickly, uh, were real quick to brush this off as a uh, potential runaway situation happening right there. Now police remained convinced that Susan had ran away, even though you know her family members, the and friends, they definitely thought otherwise um the law enforcement they didn't even do a forensic examination of her oldsmobile cutlass um left in the gas station parking lot so you know the car actually was towed or something like that well somehow the car got retrieved to lake elmo home where you know susan had lived and the the car remained in front of the swiddle household for a for five days it says here in the cold now kathy susan's mother she worried that the car's um certain parts or like the engine might die a little bit in the cold snow so she thought it was a good idea just to drive around just to warm up the car not have it sitting in the snow all the time so um she actually drove to a store or something like that but now the after driving a few miles 
the car started overheating just as it did on the day when Susan uh, pulled pulled in into the gas station. And now Kathy immediately assumed that this was the exact same problem Susan must have encountered. And this was the, the exact same reason why, why Susan pulled into the gas station. So she took the car to uh, Lake Elmo Repairs, I believe. Uh, I also have the repair shop at the on the map for everyone who's watching this uh, on the YouTube channel. Um, now, while the car was in the repairs, a mechanic made a very disturbing discovery. The car had overheated because the petcock, a small bolt that was located under the car's uh, radiator, had been loosened. This caused all the water to drain out of the radiator, ensuring the car would overheat. If it were driven for more than a couple of miles so i want to stop at this point because i specifically remember you having a lot to say regarding this little detail on the sh on last week when our show kind of ended abruptly uh, if you know what i mean so um the petcock situation dude um you want to quickly uh if you if you do you want to quickly like uh, elaborate on that whole situation a little bit yeah and i think um last time i also had a um link to the the pictures of it i mean it, the, you've seen one you've seen them all it's interesting you can actually still get a replacement petcock for that model car right now yeah. which is amazing to me you can get it from like o'reilly or something like that what was really uh, but by the way, I, I, my family. So one of our family cars was a, 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 a the same model car, but just the station wagon version from like a few years later, mm -hmm. and uh, it was a real piece of crap. Um, like we we replaced it after only a few years. Um, the, some of those General Motors cars were just terrible back then. No wonder Japanese cars took over for a lot of that market. And I, and I, I, I remember it having problems starting and stuff, but yeah, what was interesting when I was looking at it, I was trying to think, well, you know, like, like how, how, first of all, you never really hear about this happening that much, like the petcock falling out or, or leaking out. I don't think I've ever had that specific issue. Usually when something goes wrong with the radiator, it's because the radiator itself starts wearing out like things it's not built well or it starts cracking and that's why the fluid comes out and you know it's just it's it sounds like it was it was it was strange enough to the mechanic that checked it now just to sort of play devil's advocate i did look up and i said well you know what can make a petcock fail now if you look at, a, at pictures of a petcock um especially the one for this model car, it's pretty well threaded. I mean, I guess it kind of depends maybe how many threads it has, but it, by threaded, I mean, it has the circles around it, like a screw or a bolt, like a bolt. It's basically, it's basically a big bolt. Yeah. It's a big bolt that acts like a drain plug and you got to turn it around a bunch of times. It's not like something that just is easy to un, unturn. I think for a good reason, it's made to be able to take in and out pretty like it takes some some level of effort and turning so that you don't accidentally have what happened, um, and and you know it's it's worth thinking about that. Like it's pretty weird for a car to overheat in the blizzard, 
That's not usually yes. what you would think would happen. It's, it's pretty cold. So just A, goes to show you how hot the engine can get, but then it also points to the, probably the complete absence of fluid that, that you know what I mean, even even with that, that level of cold, hmm. um, you know, it, it overheated. Now, when I did look and tried to search for, well, okay, could what could make a pet cock start leaking? And I'm just going to go find that actual little definition now that I had for O'Reilly. This is a quote from O'Reilly's. Uh, O'Reilly is a major retailer mm-hmm. um, here uh, in the States. And, um, you know, it, 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 the, the one thing I have kind of in bold face here is that frequent use of the radiator petcock or corrosion can cause its threads to strip. When this happens, the petcock can no longer seal your radiator from coolant leaks. So, Okay, frequent use would be if you were taking it in and out a lot. That obviously wouldn't be the normal scenario here. But what I did think of, and I think I asked you this last time, was if you salt the roads uh, there in Lithuania, um, because some parts of the U.S., especially parts that get really cold all the time and have blizzards, it is pretty normal to salt the roads. Um, And where you have salt, you have corrosion. Um, so that was my thought was, well, okay, in theory, maybe the pet cock could have developed corrosion and like they didn't check it. Um, and the car was from 1975. So that's like a, a, a 13 year old car at this point. If it's the original pet cock, 13 years of driving over, you know, salted roads for, you know, mm, four, yeah. four months a year, maybe that could build up, but okay. So there's a plausible reason. Why that could happen, but that's not what the mechanic said, right? The mechanic didn't say, oh, this thing's corroded. Yeah. It's clear. Look at that. You can stick your finger right through it, whatever. You know what I mean? He didn't that, – that's not what he said. He said it looked like it had been maybe maybe intentionally loosened because of the amount of effort. Yeah, loosened and, you know, the premise here is the petcock is like a little screw or something like that with like ridges and got loosened a little bit. And when you do that, it could – um make the car overheat because there won't be any fluid but at the same time um you made a really good point that it could actually happen naturally but you know let's go with the mechanic right there um okay so what detectives did next they actually interviewed susan's friends and the co-workers from kmart um, and they had learned that she had recently been receiving numerous calls at work from a man she referred to as Dale. Now, Dale was someone that, you know, we kind of suspect being the unidentified man in the gas station as well as being a male stripper. This is why I said that maybe this is why he needs to be, like his body needs to be in check for his profession. And now uh, Susan had mentioned this to her mother, that she has been speaking with some sort of a male stripper called Dale at 19. It's kind of interesting, you know what I mean? Um, And basically the mother was really intrigued. She was like, yo, I need to meet this person. Okay, please let's meet. I want to make sure what's happening here. And Susan was like, yep, you can definitely meet Dale, but it never really happened. Maybe there wasn't enough time uh, or something like that. So they never ended up actually meeting. So no one really knows who exactly is this Dale. We just know that there is a dude called Dale and he has been calling 
um, Susan at work. Now, um, investigators also learned that Susan had been calling telephone chat lines and taking talking with various males and was actually unknown if she ever met any of them in person. Now, as we've kind of discussed last week, telephone chat lines were apparently a system where people could call a certain number and you would kind of get immediate, like you would then be placed in like a chat group or something like that. And you could like talk with like uh, up to like nine or 10 people in the, in the chat line or whatever. It's like some sort of back in the day 80s thing in America and basically this is how you would meet a lot of people all over the United States. So Susan was calling those chat lines a lot and it actually made sense um, that she, you know, was receiving calls at her work because she was talking on chat lines. At one point, the quote was that she spent around $300 on her phone bill because of these chat lines. So she was probably meeting a lot of people on them and they were actually calling her work telephone, not her like cell phone, because this is 88. She didn't have one, but like her work phone was actually getting bombarded on the day when she disappeared by like phone calls for Susan. That's like very vague, this very vague information, but that's all we have. Um, I found it very strange. Now to finish off the timeline, um, this is the the crucial point in the case. This is literally the, 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 the movie scenario situation where it makes me hard to believe that this actually even happened, okay? So a week after Susan disappeared, her younger sister, who was 16, Christine, returned home from school one day. And, you know, they were doing that weird little tactic where they would um, keep their key to the home in their yard somewhere, like under a rock sometimes people would do it, etc., etc. It's a pretty uh, crazy strategy, in my opinion, but they were kind of doing it in this little household, and they were kind of keeping the key out side of the house on the shelf and only the people that knew about the location of this key could go inside of the house because and the, the only people that knew of the location of the key was uh, Susan, Christine, and Kathy, okay, the, the, the inhabitants of the house, no one else, apparently. Now, one day, Christine, uh, you know, the younger sister of Susan, she's just walking back home from school, and she tries to reach for the key on the shelf where she knows that it's gonna be, and it's not there, so she kind of panics uh, immediately, but then she kind of finds it a little bit to the side on the shelf. Definitely not where she believes it was last placed, so she's already a little bit on edge, like, what's happening here? Now, she unlocks the door to the house, and Christine notices that there are more dirty dishes in the sink that had been when she left because she left the dirty dishes in the sink the last and you know we kind of conversated the last time how we think it's kind of suspicious how she exactly remembered how many dishes were in the sink but then uh but then the next thing that's really crucial here is that she smelled the smoke there was a smell of smoke um and for some reason everyone kind of said that it smelled like marijuana that marijuana was smoked in the house now uh christine af uh, after seeing all of this weirdness in her home she immediately called kathy her mother and she actually ran to the neighbors because she 
kind of was super scared because she doesn't know if there's an intruder at the house or whatever. And by the way, just for reference, this is all happening one week after Susan disappeared. One week after Susan disappeared, okay? So now now uh, Kathy goes back home uh, from her work and herself and Christine, they enter the house together. Um, and... Apparently, besides the dirty dishes and the smell of what was likely marijuana, nothing else was out. Nothing else was out of place. But then they, but then they made a shocking discovery: the red pantsuit that I mentioned in, in the beginning of the show that Susan had been wearing at work the night she went missing was actually rolled up and crammed underneath Susan's bed and now from what we gathered is that the the pantsuit was not there before apparently Susan had taken the red pantsuit with her and it was actually missing or something like that but it's strange how is it missing because if she did take it with her um then didn't they find her where's the pantsuit wouldn't they find it in the abandoned vehicle that she left in the gas station none of this makes sense let me just quickly finish up this the timeline then let's dive into this man um all of her clothing and shoes were still in her closet in her room uh all of her makeup and hair products were still in her bathroom now over the years detectives continued interviewing people who knew susan but none of them had any information that helped locate Susan in 2000 in 2002 so 14 years after law enforcement asked Kathy and Christine to submit a blood sample uh, I mean to sub submit blood samples so both of their DNA would be on the file there was no activity noted on her uh, on her social security number until 2006 when it was used by some strange woman in California who was attempting to join the United States Army. Um, detectives decided to take another look at Susan's case in 2018, so quite recently, and many, many years after she disappeared. And since then since 2018 the case has been open um now law enforcement heavily believes that susan met with foul play they no longer uh, assume it was a runaway situation uh the law enforcement is heavily leaning that on the night of january 19th 1988 susan met with foul play something bad happened to her and law enforcement uh, know that most killers eventually tell someone about what they did so they heavily at least hope that someone uh, somehow heard of what happened to Susan and therefore there is a $25,000 reward being offered for information leading to the arrest and conviction of the person or persons responsible for Susan's disappearance and likely murder so that's the timeline dude um i know we have a lot to dissect here um you want to add anything to that and i guess you know go go ahead and i guess move into your thoughts uh section you know yeah i don't have a lot to add um aside from like kind of getting into let's say the actual thoughts and theories so um just to rewind it a little bit 
and this is, I think, is where right around where it crashed last time. So hopefully, I haven't jinxed it by saying it. But um, you know, the chat line thing, I think, is is worth can lead into a bigger discussion about maybe some of her psychology. Mm. And and by the way, this is not just a little preface. This isn't blaming the victim, um, but it, it's interesting to look at. There were some aspects of her social life that weren't, uh, I guess, while they they were not uncommon, they weren't normal either, if that makes sense. Of so, course, of course, it, yeah, it's. I mean, it's so interesting now. Like you look at it, like the ability to communicate and find other people. I mean, you and me, case in point. Even though that some of this is is like like probably better to ex- better to go into more detail when we do our show about the show someday um but like case in point you and i we can talk we're, we're talking right now you and i are talking to each other on the other side of the world um basically for free i mean yeah there's some startup costs for the internet and you know you, you could maybe pay for skype like i do um as like a business expense but whatever it is like at this point in 2021 it costs us basically nothing for us to be able to talk across the world and the fact is, you and I found each other uh, to do this show via social media site, via Reddit. So, like, the world of 1988 was way different. So, you know, it, it was much harder to meet people. Also, even, like, like I, I be, when I turned 18 uh, in 1994, um, even back then, like, this, this is really the Internet as we know it didn't exist. There was some form of the Internet with things like um, there wasn't even really America online yet. There were like these other weird sign up things that you still had to use like a, like a, like a phone, like a modem to sign on. It, it, it's, you know, like there it, it was just, I think it was prodigy and stuff like that. There were BBSs, but someone like Suzanne, Susan is, is, is not going to, um, not going to use those. This is like, like computer nerd stuff back then. So I can kind of understand why she was using these chat lines, these these phone lines. So, like, a little bit of trivia. Back in the old days, old, old days, so I'm talking about, like, the 40s and 50s and, and before that when people had telephones, a party line was that, like, you might live in an apartment that shared a phone line. You could literally pick it up and talk to a bunch of people at once because you were all sharing a phone line. But... That obviously went away, and then a party line became what we think of now as these pay-per-minute calls. So there were generally two classes of pay-per-minute things. One was like the adult stuff, you know, the 976 lines, which obviously this isn't that, where you would pay, you know, like an exorbitant amount of money. So between $1 to $3 a minute for let's say adult entertainment but then the other class of things were kind of like what, what susan was doing so in this case you know sometimes there were sports lines you know like like uh like gambling and things like that or you know like like what team to bet on and sometimes there were things like the 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 telephone psychic stuff which oh, i yeah. think still exists yeah. you know that's that was real big even like in the 90s after that but yeah. Meanwhile, there was also things like this, like like basically a chat, like a chat room that you paid for, and and like one to three dollars in in the eighties dollars. Sorry to cough. Um, 
is closer to like 10 bucks a minute now yeah. if you adjust for inflation. Yep. So, sorry, I had a, a, <laughs> so my throat hungry. suddenly got dry enough of all times, right? Right when it's my turn to talk. Um, yeah, <laughs> I like the it, uh, but yeah, so like, I, I mean, so the thing is, she had racked up some kind of massive bill. I think when we did this before, we said it was like, something, how much was it again? 300, man. I mean, that's yeah. adjusted for inflation. That's like 900 or 1200 bucks yes. now. Yeah. Crazy, crazy money. I mean, that's, yeah, that's like a, that's like a, a, a that's like an apartment for a month or something in like a, a, a moderately sized city. That, to me, seems unusual. Now, maybe I'm just sheltered. Maybe maybe this is more common than I think. I mean, there was even a Simpsons episode on this, I think, way back in the day, where, like, Lisa Simpson, you know, racked up some big line. Maybe this is something that, mm. um, you know, I, I have a daughter, so maybe I, I should watch out for this. Because my, my daughter definitely, like, you know, interacts with their friends on, like... Um, some social media stuff. Um, but so maybe, maybe, you know, to be fair, maybe like more social inclined people are more likely to fall for this, but this almost seems like a kind of addiction. Now the whole thing with her getting calls at her work, which is entirely inappropriate. The only people that really should be calling you, even as an adult, the only people that should be calling you at, a, at work, especially at a, at a big retail establishment like this, would be family for, like, emergencies. It's highly unusual um, in America at, a, like, a Kmart or a Target or anything like that to be getting multiple personal calls a day at your job when you're supposed to be there on, like, the kind of the the, the floor, let's say, the, the, the shopping area of the store. Of I mean – the only people that should be calling you could be like maybe station to station, like from a manager or like, you know, these days, maybe it wasn't as common back then because you didn't have the, the, the as much of the little walkie talkie action in 1988 as you do in the years after that with like family radios and like business radios. But maybe, you know, you, you would be getting like communication over those. But yeah, like personal calls, I, I, it begs the question. Was she giving these people that she was meeting uh, her work number? Yeah, that's actually, you know, one of the strange things that I think she did. I think she it was maybe just a casual situation. You know, she's on the chat lines. She's kind of feeling lonely. So that's why she's spending all this money on the chat lines because apparently she wasn't re really happy at that point. So I guess that makes sense, right? Why she was on the chat lines. And when she was, she was kind of giving out her number. Uh, and since she's at work all the time, and she's lonely a lot. Uh, so she's like, yo, just call me at work because I don't want to be f lonely. You know what I mean? So what? where is this? So A, like, like this is kind of inappropriate venues for this. I mean, I, I guess I, part of it is, yeah, you but, know, she was. Mm -hmm. Well, okay. We, we just started to do it. Right? I mean, I, I guess uh, on one hand, she's college age, right? So we know that she tried college. And it wasn't really working out for her. So she, you know, kind of came back out of it. And But now she has, like, some some amount of her peers mm -hmm. are now, like, like they have more free time. Like, I'll tell you, when I was in college, I usually yeah. didn't work. Maybe I'd work during summers. I did try, like, my first semester, um, 
maybe first two semesters of college, tried to work like part time while I was doing college full time. I didn't really like it. It got in the way of stuff. And, and it, you know what? It, to be honest, I, I had the privilege, I guess, um, and the luxury of having parents that paid for everything. And maybe she didn't necessarily have that right. So, you know, the practical reality was she was essentially working full time doing 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 two part time jobs. Right. Yeah. She's like cobbling, cobbling together a full time living and, and really like, I mean, a great worth ethic. Right. So so on some ways, maybe she felt like she was missing out. But then to me. If I was going to be kind of kind of like a harsh, like kind of like mean girl, <laughs> I'm not a mean girl, I'm a boy, but to me, it seems a little bit desperate. So it seems like like this and specifically. Even though I'll say that, yeah, her peers are meeting meeting people in class and in the college environment and maybe she's not getting it's you know at an age where people are meeting each other and you know finding boyfriends and girlfriends etc she's not getting that experience and you know to her credit she's not doing it at work right she's not dating coworkers that we know of necessarily or she's not dating customers so maybe that's being professional yeah. so maybe there's a sort of hole in her life something seems really odd to me about like the, the chat line already is a little bit like it's expensive. It seems like, well, you know, can't you go to other social places? Well, you can't drink yet, right? She's not drinking age, so she can't go to bars. Maybe she can go to clubs, but maybe there's not really a lot of clubs in her kind of area that she's living in. And maybe it's, it's like a little bit exorbitant to try to drive to a bigger city where there are, maybe she's not comfortable like that. Like I'm not, I wasn't comfortable going to clubs when I was her age. Um, yeah, there's something I, I know I'm going long on this, but I, I, I want, I get the feeling that because I, I know it, it was mentioned that she was depressed. Um, and it's some good reasons to be depressed when like life isn't living up to your expectations and you're working hard and maybe college isn't working for you, but I can't help but wonder if this is sort of like a manic outgrowth of like, you know, where there's the low, sometimes there's also the highs. You know, with oh, especially yeah. with bi bipolar. I'm not saying not saying she's bipolar, but if she was bipolar, maybe this is a little bit of manic behavior where she's meeting. Mm. Seems like she's meeting a lot of guys, and this isn't judging her, but it's saying it's a little bit unusual um, in her specific social situation yeah. to have so many, let's say, male contacts and to be kind of lining up so many dates. Oh yeah. No, I agree. I agree. <laughs> yeah, it was like uh, just my quick uh, take on the whole thing is that, yeah, the chat line thing is definitely weird. Um, the $300 uh, just for uh, these days money uh, around a thousand bucks on a chat line indicates that it's not something sustainable, which indicates that she's doing this short term uh, kind of indicates as well. I know it's, uh, I'm saying a lot of indicates here, but like it kind of tells me that she's not feeling good and she's um, trying her hardest to, to feel good. And, um, you know, when you're kind of depressed, you're gonna do something radical because you're constantly feeling bad it never ends and you're kind of looking for a quick um, brief moment of happiness no matter what the cost is so maybe a thousand dollars a month adjusted you know for today's money kind of seemed like a good uh, investment for her happiness and yeah then she meets 
a lot of crazy people. Uh, she may have met this man, Dale, uh, on one of those chat lines. Maybe Dale is, in fact, a stripper uh, and he lives in, you know, Minnesota and maybe, you know, they arrange a date. So uh, and maybe this is part of the date the gas station is part of the date with dale it doesn't make any sense it doesn't make any sense how the car is breaking down right at the same point uh, where she stops at the gas station like what then how like what's the what's the likelihood that her car kind of breaks breaks down at the same exact place where she arranged to meet for a date because if she because that's that's what it is we have to like admit it because um if the guy who pulled up next to her broken down car if he knew that the gas station is the place where um they were supposed to go on a date then the whole line of thinking that someone purposely unscrewed the pet cock kind of goes out the window which i kind of am leaning towards that maybe it's some sort of a crazy overreaction uh from the maybe mom's side regarding the vehicle because i mean come on how how much of a mathematician would you have to be to unloosen the screw just just enough so that you would pinpoint exactly when it would start overheating no one can do that so um, I'm kind of throwing it out of the window the whole pet cock situation but then again we have to kind of think about uh, the red pantsuit what the hell is up with the red pantsuit if she did take it with her out of her uh, you know Kmart which makes sense because the pantsuit uh, just as she disappeared is missing so now if she takes the pantsuit with her and it's in her vehicle then wouldn't it make sense for her to leave it in her vehicle when she goes off on this little ride with this unidentified man? Because she left her purse, identification, wallet, eyeglasses. Would make sense that she left the pantsuit as well? Because where the hell is the pantsuit in all of this? So this kind of really makes me question the legitimacy of the one of the whole situation where someone snuck into the Swadilla household, smoked some weed and let left some dishes, you know, like the legitimacy of that situation occurring kind of uh, really is uh, questioned on my end. I know I kind of went uh, into all of the di directions here, but uh, yeah, dude, <laughs> please continue. No, that makes sense. I mean, I, I'll, I'll even tag on to your, um, your point about the, the, the pet cock and the radiator. When I think about it, I feel like it would be really hard. I, I could be wrong. Who knows? Maybe the cutlass is really high off the ground and you can just scoot under there. But like it's snowing, right? So the lot, the parking lot that it's in, whether it's at home or at work, is, you know, it's a snowy weather. It's covered. The ground's covered with ice and snow and mud. And how do you even scoot under there to loosen that thing? It's, it's at the bottom of the radiator, as I understand it, from from like even I think I just ran into this recently yeah. somewhere else. Um, so it's at the bottom of the radiator so that you can easily, you know, drain out the radiator fluid, you know, if you want to change out the fluid, um, you know, you just put a pan under there and loosen it. But like, usually when that's done, the car's up on jacks, like the cars are either raised up or driven up on something. Like I, I was looking actually at my wife's car and I was, I was, I was checking for something and I was like, well, if I were to go try to scoot under there could i do like one of those like you know little wheel things and i was like oh no i would my i would i need to jack off my wife's car or put it up on like those little 
roll yeah. up, you know, those drive up things. So I don't, I don't really see how somebody could do that easily. I'm not saying it's impossible. For sure, somebody could try to, maybe someone who's really good at it could get under there. But I don't see how someone could do that without getting really wet and muddy and stuff and have to actually. So it's like a red hearing. Uh, we are kind of yeah, in agreement yeah. that this is unconnected, you know. Because because if 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 I had to bet on one thing that's unconnected to her disappearance out of all of these mysterious things, I would say the pet cock is unconnected. I don't know. Uh, it's just yeah, how, how thir- thirteen-year-old parked car on a car that maybe wasn't well maintained yeah. in a potentially corrosive environment. Um, you know. You know, with, with a lot of road salt, road salting going on. Exactly. So yeah, it's so. But it's worth us taking that verdict on that point when we break it down to the let's say the three different major theories. So that that'll help us, I think, evaluate those. Okay, so that's one thing. Now the the other thing I think that's that's worth looking at is um, why did she change into a skirt, a mini skirt, on a when a blizzard was going on? That yeah. that doesn't. Not only does it not seem practical, it almost seems foolish. Now, once again, we're not shaming somebody or saying something should happen to somebody because of the way they wear. She's certainly, as an adult, certainly free to dress any way that's appropriate for what she thinks she's going to do with her time outside of work. So, you know, she changed at work because that's, you know, she's she's at work. She's going to leave work. She changes. All right, it's my free time. I'm going on my way. It's not like she she's naked, right? But But she's dressed... In a way that would be, let's say, maybe appropriate for the 100-degree day that I had here in California in Los Angeles than for, you know, sub-freezing weather um, and not only that, a blizzard. So um, that's... Just just to stamp on the miniskirt situation, my take is she's clearly dressing up to meet someone that she's uh, interested in, maybe for a potential relationship type of a situation happening right there if you know what i mean like that's what i've got from this uh from this little detail i think that's that's the, the definite deductive mm. you know reasoning for that so yeah that so they i think we're both in agreement yeah that there was a planned social encounter with somebody after this oh yeah so and 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 by the way mr mr chad um mm. You know, with the with <laughs> with the leather jacket or Dale or whatever whoever it was with the leather jacket. I mean, also right because the leather jacket's not good for well, a leather jacket's good for riding a motorcycle. It's not good for running around in a blizzard. And if you're actually going to keep that, if you care about that jacket, yeah, that's that's a good point. Um, that's a good point. Yeah, I, yeah, that's. I don't really have uh, much to add to that. So, then I guess part of it is this this date or social interaction i mean i mean true enough it could be that the person was like following her to some other place and then she has the car problem and maybe that's the most obvious thing obvious solution here is that she has a car problem that she didn't expect but the person was already let's say following her and she knew he was like we don't know that she didn't know that she was being followed right there's always like yeah i mean it and it kind of makes sense for her reaction to this person Let's just assume. Let's give us just make a, a, a fair to her a charitable assumption that she wouldn't just suddenly change her mind about who she was going to meet because somebody better came along. I mean, that could happen, but let's say that isn't what happened. Oh yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. They yeah. say she's not completely fickle about. Oh well, I was going to go meet you know Chester, 
but here comes Chad and he's way better looking and I'm just gonna like get in the car with a stranger without my purse and my glasses because I'm just so overwhelmed by his um, incredible attractiveness. Um, yeah. No, okay. I, I, I point, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it does. It does. It seems like it was planned. And yeah, to your point, I I agree with you that yeah, maybe she was just sort of swooning. Maybe the guy was really persuasive. So then, what we come down to is, given everything that we know, what the heck happened to her, and why is it that the, that the police think at this point? That she's dead because I think wasn't it the case that the police didn't immediately take this very seriously? Like yes. they didn't, they weren't like quick to jump on her being missing. Yes, because uh, you know she's nineteen. Um, you know she goes into she she climbs into a car with an unidentified man and they drive off, and that's the last thing that the law enforcement know. So they immediately think that she ran away and she'll return in a few days. You know, um, she's nineteen. She has the right to disappear for a few days uh, since she's a free person and police kind of assumed that, that was the case so you're right they didn't really look into it immediately and i think uh, back like i said i'm trying to, to recover some of what we talked about last time but i think there was like like two different things too that like just to be fair to the police why they they could have reacted this way because because one Maybe they're running into this all the time with teenagers. Um, I'll say that I've noticed that some parents, as their their children get older, and especially around this age of like independence, there's like a lot of weirdness that goes on and like you know, rebelling against like the parents. I, I used to see this in Boy Scouts all the time. There'd be dads, dads that had a hard time with their kids, like with children in general, teenagers not not really being like like children children anymore, right? Teenagers basically being, you know, young adults and having, having trouble kind of adjusting to that. Like, like the kid isn't saying yes, daddy anymore. Um, but the same thing, I'm sure they, the cops run into this all the time, sort of the war of the wills and people running away. And especially when the guy's involved, it's like, well, his, this, he knows how to treat me. You know, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm grown up. I'm a grown, grown man or a grown woman. Yeah. And then, you know, big temper tantrums and stuff like that. So, from just everybody involved, right? So maybe they're just all oh, that. That's one of these again. Maybe they're dealing with like ten of those a week, um, just because it happens a lot. But then the other thing that I thought was a little more interesting in that scenario was because of what happened. You know, we don't. I don't know that we we don't, we don't unfortunately have any any like indication of this or any extra research, especially because we don't have a time machine, so we don't know what the area was like long ago we don't have someone to talk to that lives there i mean let's suppose that the area had some amount of prostitution and Ooh, yeah 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 because you know like the, this habit like so I'll, I'll, I'll give an example it doesn't have to be like a red light district or like a a place that has is known for a lot of prostitutions on the street i will say that even like truck stops mm. truck stops for long-term truckers um <laughs> lounge lizard I mean, uh, what are they called lot lizards Lot lizards are women that that oh well, it not doesn't have to be women people people that work as in prostitution, um, for even like truck stops. So even like truck stops in the middle of nowhere have have like you know I mean you know uh, truckers get lonely too right. So lot lizards. 
Yeah, that's that's an actually it's, a, it's an old like it's been around for a long time. But if we have any truckers that listen, um, uh, by the way, I like I like a couple of uh, trucker um, uh, uh, YouTube channels. So um, maybe who knows? Maybe the, some of them reciprocate and like our channel back. Um, yeah, no, that's 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 definitely an issue. Like wherever you have like a lot of men you're going to tend to have like some amount of prostitution or prostitution attempts. And maybe if there's any of that going on, like they don't really want to break it to the mom. But I mean, between that and all the phone calls, I'm not saying she was, but I'm saying a profiler could look at that and say, well, okay, well the woman's getting a, a lot of phone calls. Um, yeah. You know, already is working part time. You know, they, some, someone could, could make that assumption and say, oh, well, you know, maybe they'll, but they'll, I would say if that's the case and then she disappeared, they should have taken it a lot seriously because, you know, people that, that work in prostitution are, are definitely at a much higher risk for um, getting killed yes. uh, or injured. So that maybe rules against it that they didn't take it so seriously because maybe mm. that would have been a good reason to take it seriously. Um, just given, you know, all, all the mini serial killer cases that we've heard of, of people, you know, doing horrible stuff to, to, to prostitutes, but we're not, we're not saying she's a prostitute. In fact, we're saying she probably wasn't a prostitute. Um, but that I could see that's why. No, it's, uh, I just want to step in that maybe that it's a good thing to evaluate everything because I never, this theory never even crossed uh, my mind, but it's a good way. It's, it's good for us to evaluate everything because like, it's a gas station and she gets into a car with an unknown man. Now, I know the circumstances don't really add up. She was doing like a big shift in Kmart and called like her mother that she's going to be back home soon. Doesn't make any sense, but I mean, the scene makes some sort of sense, but it's a, it's a good thing to evaluate. I'm certain none of us are actually leaning that way. You know what I mean? Just the devil's advocate, yeah. Just just to put it out there, that that might be one reason yeah. too, because unfortunately, a lot of prost- a lot of people that that work on the kind of the fringes of society or marginalized don't always get taken seriously by the police. Yeah. You know, so that's you know that's the case not just for 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 a lot of different people and even children don't don't take get taken seriously for whatever their their issue is. So yeah, I mean, we've we, we've said multiple times, police. Yeah have messed up things and we've kind of taken them to task for it. Okay. So getting into the theories, planned disappearance. Well, the only evidence we have for plans disappearance other than <laughs> she's not here. Um, and nobody knows what happened to her is that, you know, someone came back, you know, the, 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 when they, that, that, that kind of story, the anecdote that someone came home and like the spare key is missing and the house smelled like weed. And there were extra, they think there were extra dirty dishes and there's this balled up pantsuit, which like, we're not even sure that she didn't have more than one pantsuit, right? It, it seems really, really odd. I think I, I made the point that it remind, that, that part reminded me of Andrew Gosden, except Andrew Gosden actually put his pants in the laundry, maybe to make it look like everything was normal. Yeah. Um, yeah, put his, his little uniform in the laundry, maybe to do, maybe to cover his tracks, to make it look like he, he had come home and was doing his normal thing. That was that was uh, Dr. Grande, by the way, uh, covered that recently, and that was his his conclusion that Andrew Gosden probably did that to kind of buy himself more time in that case. Okay, but oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. It was, it, it, 
Because my take on Andrew Gosling's case was that he did it as uh, something that he was doing every day and uh, his intentions were to return home from London and, you know, he was just like, uh, whatever. Yeah, I mean, in that I mean that that whole case. It was interesting to hear Grande's take on that. Um, yeah, yeah, it was it was it was it was weird. With that, this thing, it was like, yeah, I mean, I mean, maybe she only had that one outfit. Now it just seemed weird. Why would you come? Why would you risk getting found again if this was a planned disappearance? But come back into the house, but not really take anything else, right? Like leave dirty laundry and like smoke weed in the house, and it just n- nothing about that relationship. Even if that was like a sign of contempt. Or like I showed you, well, we don't have any any evidence that that there was any kind of strife in the house to that effect, or that that would have been yeah. anyone's intention. Nor, nor would that have been even. But yeah, yeah. Really, really quickly regarding the planned disappearance, because we're in the theories now, and we're discussing the first one, which is you know that she intentionally disappears. I mean, yeah. The only thing I have here is the pantsuit. I have one question, dude. She's working at Kmart with a red pantsuit. Yeah. She then takes off the red pantsuit, gets into a sweater and a miniskirt, then she goes somewhere. Now the pantsuit is reported missing. So where is the pantsuit? Is it at Kmart or is it at her vehicle? If it's at her vehicle, then she must have taken the pantsuit with her as she but left her stuff in the car as she got into the car with you oh, know yeah. chad so it's like where's the pantsuit like is it missing in kmart did she bring it with her because the pantsuit is the most cru- like the location of the pantsuit while she's still in kmart is the most crucial point in this case the most crucial like little uh information that we could have if we would like just ask for one thing that that would tell us some more info it would be the location of the red pantsuit as she left kmart if she brought it with herself in her car that would mean that she took this pantsuit of all things with her as she's going on this joyride with the chad which doesn't make any sense and i will say that's not realistic i don't see that happening so this only leaves the pantsuit missing at Kmart or does she throw the pantsuit out while she's parked in the gas station maybe she throws the pantsuit somewhere out to the side like where the hell is this pantsuit and why does it appear under her bed a week later what's happening here man yeah that that's excellent work I didn't even think of that yeah (laughs) why would she bring her dirty of all things dirty sweaty clothes that have been already used on the date and nothing else and then for that to end up in the house rather than what seems more plausible that the clothes were in the car and at some point somebody maybe the mother or the the sister transferred them to the house and they just forgot that they did that or felt bad that they had appeared yes yeah with it oh with Here's the here's the well to me the the weirdest thing about it's a red pantsuit right yes red pantsuit red is not Kmart's color I don't know why the f she was wearing you know a, a, a red pantsuit to Kmart I looked it up while we were we were talking I looked up what were what was the dress uniform and there wasn't really a set dress uniform but the answers I see on this site on Indeed was that a blue Kmart Kmart's blue 
as blue is their color. Blue Kmart shirt or navy blue with black pants and shoes. It was a flexible dress code, but it was generally some kind of blue blue shirt or white white shirt with some kind of blue vest or you know always black pants and your name badge. Yeah. I don't know what kind of rebel she was that she was wearing red at Kmart because um, red is Target. Yeah. Anyway, here, yeah. here, that's whenever whenever people wear red, <laughs> I've I've like worn a red shirt by accident to Target before, and like you have people trying to ask you stuff, and you're like, oh wait, I don't work here. Um, that's yeah. that's 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 a that's a Reddit subreddit, by the way. I don't work here. Um, yeah. So all right. So I think we 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 pretty much dispelled that plan disappearance theory. I would say okay. So that leaves us with with two others and. I'm actually no wait wait really <laughs> yeah. quickly really quickly oh yeah yeah the planned disappearance have we really dispelled it I mean uh, go, wait wait dude going back to yeah. it yeah no that's a good point uh, I'm not sure if we dispelled it because uh, if like let's analyze this um, she's d depressed she's not really happy with her previous relationships she dropped out of uh, university recently she works two jobs and is uh, calling with a uh, like a million people on chat lines and her deciding to dodge her family even if it's maybe for a week or so um and then with the intentions of getting back home maybe while she dodged her family she does one week later go back home drop the red pantsuit uh, eat something but she's like i'm not ready to get back into this life and then she goes off to be on the run for maybe another two weeks or something like that with whichever amount of time that she had decided to leave i mean it's not completely out of the question for me maybe down the line she dies someone like murders her or some sort of an accident happens or maybe she's still on the run to this day um which is really unlikely in my opinion but just the initial planned disappearance isn't so unlikely um $300 on chat lines kind of indicates uh a non-long-term sustainable activity which could culminate in her completely running away at least just for a, a week initially with no intentions to leave for good but you know something happens down the line so i'm not gonna say that i'm not completely with planned disappearance now i don't uh, if i had to bet I would bet on a more sinister outcome, but I will not say that it's completely impossible, given her uh, behavior before her disappearance, that she did, in fact, purposely disappeared, even if it's for a little bit, you know? I mean, that's a good point. I, I just, I part of me is like, when I look at it, I'm like, well, somebody that was other than the, the chat lines, pretty responsible. I mean, working two jobs, working two jobs. I mean, unless yeah, yeah. she was working those two jobs to save up for the big getaway. Um, yeah. Just the fact that, yeah, I, I don't know. You're right. It doesn't, it doesn't, it's not case closed on that for sure. So maybe I'll stick a, a little pin on that Yeah. because the next two theories. Mm -hmm. So we have, okay. So th I mean, this is kind of simple binary from there. If you don't, if you don't, by planned disappearance, at least not for the long-term explanation, then the binary is either like, well, somebody did something to her, like abduction or maybe murder, or, or the other thing would be, no, nobody, no person did something to her, something happened. 
So that would be, so it's either intentional or accidental. That's the, yeah. kind of the binary, you know, the two sides of the coin. So intentional, I mean, this seems to be the way that the, the cops are leaning that whether or not the pet cock, <laughs> whether or not the car was sabotaged, you know, she was last seen getting into a car with kind of a big, strong, well-built, but kind of, you know, I mean, the guy, the guy wasn't wearing a suit and carrying a briefcase and well shaven, right? He kind oh, of yeah. looked like, oh, yeah. he looked like he could be a criminal, right? I mean, he looked like, he looked like a, a tough guy that could probably kill somebody with his bare hands. He looked like a little bit of a rebel. Um, and Susan's not here anymore. So like, you know, it's been a long time. So from their point of view, there was another person involved. They didn't turn up any, you know, n- n- to their knowledge, there's not a dead person in a vehicle somewhere or an accident, right? I mean, she didn't, you know, turn out, oh, she was T-boned in an intersection, yeah. you know, and that's that's what happened. Or, you know, she she wandered off into the snow and they found her body later. Mm-hmm. No, like, like, they don't have a body. The last time she was seen was with another human being. And she never came back for any of her valuables or her glass, even like like the glasses thing. Like you would think if you ran away, you would at least take your glasses, right? Or, yeah. you know, a pair of pants. I mean, I mean, that's, that seems to be my thought. So, so that, that's one, one conclusion. I mean, what do you think? Are the cops on the right track with that? Um, yeah, I think if I had to bet, I would definitely lean towards the same that, you know, she was in fact murdered or accident which but i'm leaning towards murder uh more so uh just because she doesn't seem like the type of person who would if she would run away she would run away for entirety of her life um there was no activity on her social security numbers etc etc so i mean where is she there's no indications that she is even on this earth anymore um and then i think lastly she was last seen driving with an unidentified man, leaving her uh, belongings in the car, the type of belongings that she would need for a longer time, like a longer planned runaway. Even if it's a week, you're definitely going to take your glasses that you're virtually blind without you're gonna take your wallet you're gonna take your purse as well as your identification as well as we forgot to mention at kmart she had a big well i'm not sure how big but there was a paycheck waiting for her okay so she was about to get her next paycheck and she disappears right before the paycheck so the whole working two jobs to um uh, save up doesn't also add up because she was waiting for the paycheck so um that's all i'm gonna say is that yep i do believe that given all of these things police is on the right track i personally believe you know what i mean yeah i agree um but i feel like i do want to um i i think if you look at the map you see where i'm going with this um oh yeah accidental. and what is there right big old Big old body of water. I mean, there's there, there's that one there, and then what's that big river, right over there to the the sorry to the other way to the east. What's that big old? What is that thing there? I have no idea. Wisconsin. Uh, let's just see what it's gonna say. It's actually Saint Croix River. Yeah, look at that thing. It's giant. Um, okay, so you know whenever I see a body of water and somebody disappears, oh yeah, I like to to go this direction because, and I'll tell you why. 
because, uh, as I mentioned in other shows, um, even though California doesn't have a lot of big rivers, uh, there's a river uh, way north and um, east of me. Uh, my, my Boy Scout camp was actually, one of my Boy Scout camps was near it, uh, up in the Sierras. It's called the Kern River. And I have, I have a Google News Alert I have set for the Kern River. And no joke, man, every year I see these things where somebody will have been driving by this river, because this river is a big river, goes along some roads, and somebody will have disappeared. Someone will disappeared in their car. And sometimes the same year, sometimes years later, depending on what's going on with like California drought and the water level. Like sometimes like no joke, same year, like four months later, you know, summer comes, the river goes down and they're like, Oh, there's that person that disappeared in their car uh, back during the winter. Like they literally, they drove off the road. Nobody had any idea, no sign, no skid marks, you know, no, like, you know, bumper got left by the, you know, broke off in a rock or something like they just drove right into that river. So here was, here was my, my theory. My theory was, what if everything was on the up and up? You know, did everything happen like how it looked like it, was, it looked like it was going to happen? She went, she had this very active social life. There's all these guys calling her all the time. She's, you know, on and off with the ex-boyfriend. Um, there's some exciting guy, whether or not it's the male, the male entertainment guy, stripper or not. Who knows? But it's somebody she's excited, so excited about, she, on a, on a whim... You know, maybe the date was going to be a short date, if you know what I mean. Maybe yeah. who knows what was going on there. I mean, adult, adults can do what the adults adults need to do, right? And I, I'll, I'll tell you, I've seen enough stuff with people parked in cars all over the place, including next to my house, um, of all ages um, and demographics and income levels, etc. That I don't think is that unusual for sort of. Um, Let's say a fling that happened. So let's say it was just going to be that. It was going to be a short. She's, she's nineteen. She's nineteen. Yeah, nineteen. Yeah. So I, it's, I mean, it's, it's it's like it seems. Ex- and I mean, the people I've seen doing, um, if you know what I'm kind of hinting at. Of course. I mean, I've seen people middle aged I've seen senior citizens. No joke. I mean, out in the open. I mean, it's it's crazy what people will do anywhere. Um, hormones are hormones. Okay. So. Whatever, but I'm not. I'm not saying that has to be what's going on. But it's pretty weird. But she left all her stuff. Senior citizens. Yeah. yeah oh my God. Uh, yeah. That's, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe that's that's another show. Yeah, I guess because yeah. I mean, I mean, uh, yeah. You just be blown away. Right. People get liquor in them. You know, they do whatever. So okay. So then it's like, <sighs> what my thought was was okay. They went out in a blizzard. Blizzard isn't really like the safest driving conditions. Um, so. There's some high, there's some raised percentage chance that you know you can get an accident, uh, get stuck in the snow. And here's the thing: we don't really know who this guy is. So let's say this guy's car turned up abandoned somewhere. Yeah. Well, okay. Even though no one's ever put two and two together from that, he could have been from out of state. I mean, the state line's right there, right? Isn't that is that the state line for that river? I'm not sure. Um, it might be. I'll, I'll, I'll uh, investigate. It seems like. Oh, uh, maybe not. Yeah, but I mean, I mean, I, you know, he could have driven from out of state, especially if it was going to be like a, you know, a sure thing. Um, besides, besides, really quickly, she did study uh, in the University of Wisconsin in River Falls, so she previously may have made some connections or knew of someone from River Falls. 
Yeah, and it, you know, it could be, and you know, who knows if he was even his car, right? Yeah. So like, he could have borrowed a car, could have stolen a car. Um, yeah, who knows? Okay, so my my little long-winded at this point story is okay. Either they drive into the river, and this river is, is a river that never never gets shallow, so no one ever finds it until someone finally finds it. You know, and their bodies are long gone or deteriorated, and that, that this happens. Like they, they go and they look in some lake, and they're like, "Oh, here's somebody from 30 years ago." No one ever knew what happened to them, and that happens, no jokes, all the time. I mean, I've seen I've seen YouTube videos and other channels about things like that happening. Yeah. Or, or it's like a a, a Mora Murray thing, where, you know, this car goes off the road, gets disabled, for some reason they have to leave the car. And then they wander off into kind of the fields or the woods. And because the car isn't connected to anybody and because maybe they wander off into some place where just no one has ever looked that carefully um, as we've had kind of potentially uh, mentioned for, you know, like more Marine who that, that other kid from uh, some decades ago that disappeared on the way to the fair. Um, we thought maybe something like this happened too, where, Oh yeah, he, he wandered off. Remember that? Um, I can't remember the kid's name Dark now. Tent. Yeah, same. Yeah, that one. But it was like the same kind of thing where it was like you look at those woods and you're like, oh, you know. And and once again, you know, a body has to be found to be found. So if it's not, if no one ever goes to the place, if it's someplace remote, and I, I'm seeing a lot of like, you know, woods and fields and things on this, this map. By the way, re really quickly, really quickly, that was Roger Day, episode number eighty-three. Roger Day. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was our, our our thought. There was just it was a lot of tangled woods and stuff between where he, yeah, where he left and where he was supposed to arrive. So my thought is, you know, it could have just been completely accidental. So maybe you know, any day now, for some reason, they have to go look in the look in the river or find something, or it gets turned up somewhere. And they're like, oh, who are these two bodies in this car? Um, I don't know. So that's that's that's, that's my, 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 my thought, how that could happen accidentally. Good point. Good point. Um, all right. So um, basically, to sum up the theories, right, um, on my end, I will say, well, if we're going to do the percentages, um, I, will, I, I, will, I will really want to give um, at least... Let's say I'm actually going to go as much as 15% planned disappearance, at least initially, like the calls and all of the calling at work, her dressing up for some sort of a really strange occasion, meaning that she hasn't done this before because the supervisors and the co-workers believed it was kind of strange for her to dress up. So it means that she didn't do this on a regular basis. I don't know. Maybe even I'll, as I'm saying this, I might even push up the planned disappearance up to maybe even 20%, but maybe not. I'll leave it at 15 actually. Um, now, the other two uh, ways we can go with is an accident or a murder. Now, whichever way we want to play it, I just have to include the Chad, the unidentified man. Who could have been Dale, who could have been someone else completely. It wasn't the ex-boyfriend, by the way, for everyone who's listening, it wasn't. I know that there are maybe a few people who are like holding on to this. Maybe it's the ex-boyfriend um, that kind of called off the 
you know the date earlier on because of the uh, bad weather but actually the ex-boyfriend he was really cooperative with police and he did actually tell the cops that uh, all the information that he knew cops kind of discounted him immediately I kind of got the sense that uh, it was definitely not the ex-boyfriend but for everyone who's, who's who was kind of holding on to that ex-boyfriend theory here you go guys I don't think it was the ex-boyfriend but you know we we never know for sure i guess um so i'm just gonna say the uh 15 planned disappearance now her uh more sinister uh events happening or maybe an accident happening uh i have to uh, like allocate the the, the last 85 percent uh to that and i will say uh, since there is a man involved here it's not like she left on foot if she left on foot i think we would be like in the dark completely here but just the fact that she left um with an unidentified man and then apparently some strange things started happening in the swiddle household a week later kind of indicates to me that i think it was let's say a murder not an accident because i would say the only person who could get into the swedil household was you know the three people who lived there so that would mean that susan would have had to stay alive for at least a few days after her initial disappearance because I wouldn't think that on the first night immediately Susan would have disclosed the information regarding where is the key to the house located like on what shelf immediately I think to disclose this information um, there has to be some sort of a longer relationship longer um a longer term happening there you know what i mean maybe two days into the her runaway potential runaway she kind of tells the guy yo you know we could like sneak back into the house or whatever i know exactly where the key is located so that's why i'm not going to be going with the, the accident theory this time because the accident theory would kind of indicate that they took a drive into like snowy conditions and they crashed the car okay it makes sense but it doesn't make any sense how there's strange activity one week after their disappearance so i'm not gonna say it's an accident because i think an accident would have happened on the same night as they took that little joyride i would say so that leaves me with um actually it's kind of keep i keep going with a murder but once again are, are we gonna lean towards that susan is uh, driving away with this unidentified man she thinks it's a quick little joyride but now this man turns like sinister and makes her his captive and now one week after the fact he's like still kind of torturing her or maybe she's dead by then but then the guy was like oh so she told me where the keys 
to her houses. So I'm just gonna barge in there, contaminate everything, leave DNA, whatever, whatever, and I'm just gonna, you know, have some fruit there, smoke some marijuana, and drop her pantsuit under the, like, under the, the bed. Like, that's not a soul, uh, soul culprit. I think this is a situation where the culprit and Susan are still good on good terms so they go in there they kind of have fun they're like okay uh your little sister is gonna come back home anytime now let's dodge so they dodge and maybe then down the line she gets murdered see this is why it's such a big mystery and i'm actually gonna even avoid allocating any percentages to be honest because now when i'm thinking about it i can't even do it i'm just gonna say that one thing i do believe is that i think susan didn't die immediately after her disappearance that's the only thing i'm gonna say I, I really have no idea what happened in this case i hope the audience members have some ideas but yeah dude i'm, I'm handing it over to you man what what are your thoughts yeah i mean just the, the, the house visit what would seem odd to me is you know we don't i mean i guess she could have bought some other clothes i don't get why go to the effort of going into the house and like not bringing your clothes with you because if you left some evidence that you were there, then you've already blown the whole mysterious disappearance. You know what I mean? Like, like, oh, she left without a clue. Yeah. I mean, why not just bring your freaking pants at that point? Or your shirts and stuff. Like, what, what, are you, what are you waiting for? So, yeah, that, I guess with that, that being said, I know I've, I've already given probably lengthy answers to how I feel about the rest of it. I'm just going to give a, a quick breakdown of, I'm going to say... 5% planned disappearance. I'm going to say um, 55% homicide. Um, and I think pretty pretty quickly after after whatever happened. I don't, uh, I, I don't know. I, 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 I can't imagine the person waited very long, but who knows? Okay, I won't go long on that. And then let's say... 35% accident because of the snow, the ice, the big, huge bodies of water nearby, um, and the time of year. Yeah. 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 Well, just uh, one last thing really quickly. Is, is there a chance that um, the Swedell family fabricated the house visit situation because like nothing really uh substantial came of that um you know uh dishes mm, it could have been more dishes you could have just forgot how many dishes were there smoke uh of marijuana that's something that they said no one really i don't think police ever went in and smelled any marijuana and then the pantsuit i mean the the the, the it missing makes no sense like how is it missing? Yeah. Yeah, it's true. I mean, I see what you're saying. Like, are you, are you, uh, Elizabeth, my thought was in that scenario, maybe because they felt like the cops weren't trying hard enough. So they're like, well, let me, let's put a little, a little smoke in this thing. Yeah, yeah it's true. That's a good point. Because, yeah, the, the pantsuit that, I think that's, that's one of the things you really got out of this case. I mean, you, you had a couple things in this this thing that I, I had never thought of, but specifically the pantsuit thing. 
yeah, what, what uh, it doesn't, it makes no sense that she would have that with her and not her, I mean, wouldn't, wouldn't the pantsuit be in the purse at least? Like, you know what I mean? Where the, where the pantsuit is, the purse is, I mean, let's suppose you put it in like a gym bag or something like people do when people bring a change of clothes. Yeah. Well, why would you bring the gym bag with you and not your glasses and not, you know, not your, not your wallet and your purse and your makeup and, um, everything else you'd need to be away from your home for more smells fishy the whole case just smells fishy man yeah it doesn't and then it's like to me it sounds more plausible that the pantsuit was in the car like the rest of the stuff and at some point someone brought in the pantsuit mm. and then yeah yeah that it's it's mm. really okay strange. yeah i mean you know I mean, hopefully we don't get an angry angry comment from her sister because her sister's pretty pretty active in the case but you know who knows maybe if we do get that comment maybe she'll come on our show sometime and oh yeah give us she's a thing everyone's invited from this case literally everyone um so yeah guys thanks so much for joining us this week this was this was a really interesting episode i'm really interested uh and you know i'm happy that this time we didn't crash everything seems to be back in working order um i really hope everyone will enjoy the rest of their week and um yeah as always we will catch you next time we promise and until then just please stay safe and peace out <laughs>